The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Lewis Carr, host of the Blueprint Connect podcast. The Blueprint Connect podcast is an extension of the Blueprint Men's Summit, where we have consistently given men a prescription for growth, not just for themselves, but also for their families and their communities. During these podcasts, we will educate and motivate our listeners about entrepreneurship, careers, finances, health and wellness, and relationships. And on today's episode, we have the great privilege of talking to the iconic saxophonist, bassist, overall musician, Gerald Albright. Welcome, Gerald. Thank you, Lewis. Appreciate the invite. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Where where are you at today? Well, I'm at home in Castle Rock, Colorado, uh, where we moved uh, in 2005. And, uh, you know, it's cold outside. It snowed a couple of days ago, believe it or not, late May. But uh, we're here just getting some work done in the house and uh and everything's good life is good right now so so Joe, you're originally from the la area i am I'm, I'm from south central la watts california oh wow the iconic yeah. south central and watts oh yeah absolutely so Joe, were you born with a gift to play or was this something that you've learned over years how did you start well, the catalyst was uh, my parents, actually. You know, most uh, Black families, the, the mom and dad usually think, well, it'd be nice if our child would stop, start with piano lessons. And we had this upright piano in our den uh, as we were growing up, and nobody was really touching it. So uh, I was that guy. And it so happened that uh, a gentleman named George Turpo, uh, who was the choir director at our church, um, also had students during the course of the week that he taught. And so uh, my mom and dad hired him to give me weekly piano lessons, which uh, I absolutely hated, didn't like it. Uh, (laughs) Piano didn't feel good to me at the age of eight years old, nine years old. 
uh, learning scales while I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing my, my partners playing football and basketball down the street. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so after a few weeks of not being prepared for my lessons subsequently, uh, my uh, music teacher had a talk with my parents and said, hey, we need to put Gerald on another instrument. And unannounced, in the next lesson, he brought an old King alto saxophone to my house. And, you know, I looked puzzled when he walked in the door with this case. I was like, well, what's going on, Mr. Turpo? And he said, well, we're going to do something different today. And he opened the case and it, you can smell the history in the case. Uh, it had been in his garage for many years. It's an instrument that he played in the Army's years prior. And uh, so we had a, a saxophone lesson. And when I made my first squeak, uh, I loved it. It was something that uh, at the age of eight or nine, you know, it, it was like a toy to me. I could blow through it. I could press these cool little keys. I could make a sound out of it. Um, it felt good. And I was inclined to play it. So that's where it all started, Lewis. Um, and I've been, as they say, squeaking ever since for decades. So. Well, 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 Gerald, we have a little something in, in common. Uh, at the age of eight, uh, we had an old piano in our house, all right? And I was forced uh, to take piano lessons mm. uh, and then forced to join the school choir and the church choir. <laughs> uh, and my mother was sure that I was going to be a music major in college. And I was sure that I was not. <laughs> Are you sure we didn't have the same family, the same parents? <laughs> okay. but, but, but clearly you found your talent. I struggle around. I, even today, Joel, I can get on and play a few chords. You know, if I really focus, I can play a song or two. Uh, I did become a, a youth choir director in our church, uh, but it was all begrudgingly all right. Uh, so clearly you have went on uh, into greatness and I've went on to do a few other things in life. <laughs> well, so it, you, you, you sort of uh, adapted to the sax immediately. Yeah, it, it felt like an immediate oneness for me. Um, uh, and it, it just came from nowhere. You know, I, I, I never dreamt to be a saxophonist or anything. Uh, I owe all of that platform to my music teacher, George Turpo. And that's when my interest changed. And, uh, and then my uh, older brother uh, had James Brown records in the house. And we used to listen to James Brown and gospel music all day, all night. And within the experience of hearing The Godfather of Soul, there was this really cool sax player named Maceo Parker uh, that, he, that he would call upon to do a, a solo. And I'm hearing this, this cool alto sax. And I'm like, I want to sound like him. So he was my first mentor. And ironically, uh, here in the past couple of years, I've been doing jazz festivals with Maceo. So everything has gone full circle. Uh, and that, that's been the blessing in all of it. And then my other guy, of course, on the technical side of the instrument is Cannonball Adderley who could play pretty much anybody under the table with uh, jazz improvisation. But the thing I loved about him is that he had so much soul in his approach to the sax. And so my sound basically is a marriage between Cannonball and, and Maceo with a sprinkle of GA in the middle. Yeah. So, 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 did as you started to play sax, did you in, inherently pick it up? Was it just something that was just easy to you? 
or did you really have to work at it and practice real hard? Well, uh, I learned it very quickly. And then uh, in elementary school, we had a little, I guess we can call it a combo um, that certain days of the week, uh, we had a teacher that, you know, we practiced with. And I just fell in love with the camaraderie of playing with other kids and being able to create the music together with these kids in my elementary school. And, and so the interest just started there and it, it just evolved through junior high school and high school. And uh, I was fortunate enough to go to Elaine Leroy Locke High School, which uh, was the breeding ground for a lot of the musicians and vocalists that you hear today. Uh, two or three members of Earth, Wind & Fire went through that school. Um, Ricky Minor, who is who I call uh, little Quincy Jones now. I mean, he's kind of like... Um, uh, the TV and movie guy. Now he does all the, the Grammys and Emmys and he's doing a lot of big stuff. He's done uh, halftime shows at the Super Bowl and the whole thing. So I'm around these people and I'm living and breathing all this talent. Patrice Rushing went to the high school. Uh, Daniel LaMelle, who was Rick James saxophonist, went to the high school. Uh, so, and then we had great teachers, Mr. Uh, Frank Harris and Donald Dustin. So that that was the platform that I had to show up and play around every day. So I had to keep my game up, you know, and and, and then it became a competition, you know, with with other musicians. And then obviously you just get better as you're trying to, you know, get to the next level of being first chair in the concert band or whatever you're going to compete against, you know. So, so, so nice. did you ever ask your your, your teacher, George? What made him think that you could play sax versus the piano? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was it was pretty much a no-brainer. There was no progress on the piano at all. I mean, he wasn't getting anywhere with me on piano. But um, it, it was something within him, I guess, him hanging out with me on a weekly basis where he just had an inkling, well, let me try saxophone with Joe and see if he uh, would would have interest in it. And I surely did. And um, and the rest is history, as they say. So, so we're going to say, Gerald, that George was waymaker number one Way in man. regards to your, your your music career. George Turpo absolutely was waymaker number one. Yes. Well, that 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 that's absolutely amazing. So, when did you realize that you were sort of super talented? That you you were not just the average saxophonist or the average musician that you really had something special at what age did that kind of hit you i'm going to say lewis at the pivotal point was high school again i was around musicians like patrice russian and, and all these folks and and my music teacher uh donald dustin uh treated me a little different than the other musical students uh and there was a few students a handful of students Gary Bias, who is now with uh, Earth, Wind & Fire and has been with Earth, Wind & Fire Horn Section for probably 30 years. Uh, we were best friends. We still are. And for many years, we sounded alike because we would play side by side with one another in marching band and concert band and jazz band. And, and then Donald Dustin would let us go to M10, which is the room. It was, a, it was just a private room. In, in the bungalow where we had all of our rehearsals and practices. And he would say to me and Gary, you guys go down and you just practice your licks. Go practice what you need to practice. 
And if Gary Bias uh, learned a new lick on the saxophone, he would be anxious to show me the lick. And then if I learned a new lick, I'm, Gary, check this out. So we were playing the same licks for years up until we went to college together. Well, we didn't go to college together. We went to separate separate institutions. But once he went to Cal State, Cal State LA and I went to the University of Redlands, then we had other influences. And when we came back to play together, we sounded totally different. Uh, but to answer your question, that was, high school was the, the pivotal point where uh, I knew that there was something going on within me and the horn that was special and, and that was a passion for me. And that's and something that I wanted to really improve upon. And uh, when I went to college, same deal. You know, I just wanted to learn. Uh, in fact, and were you a music major in college? I was a music minor, actually. I, I minored okay. in music performance. I, I majored in business management, and that's what I got my degree in. Which, okay. of course, is apropos for the music business. You got to know how to read contracts and and uh, read the fine print and the whole deal. So uh, the marriage between the major and the minor was a great emphasis on what I'm doing now, owning my own record company and things like that these days. So it's a good thing. Oh, that, that That's great. We'll be right back with more of my interview after this quick break. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. <laughs> and catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics 
in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. You've played with some of the biggest names in the business, whether it's, you know, Whitney Houston, uh, Anita Baker, Patrice Russian, uh, you, the Winans, you've, you've covered the gamut. How and when did you start getting those type of gigs? Was it in college or after college or was it happenstance? Was it planned? How, how did all of that happen? Well, um, it was right after college. I had graduated and at that point now, I have to establish credit. You know, I have to start making money. And I lived with my godparents, who were our next door neighbors growing up, Leanna and Leroy Stafford, uh, namely. Uh-huh. That's their soul. And um, so I stayed with them. And I worked at Woolworth's department store for eight months as an assistant manager trainee, a job which I truly detested, but I had to make, you know, some money. So I could pay rent and you know pay my bills and things like that. Um, Mrs. Hutchins was my uh, boss at the time. She looked like uh, a librarian. She wore these these skinny glasses and she walked around. She always looked above her glasses, <laughs> people, you know. Just <laughs> and uh, but she was a great boss. And long story short, she knew that I wasn't there to try to get a career at Woolworth. She knew that I was a musician. And about eight or nine months into the job there, um, Patrice Russian called me. Now, this is when her single, Forget-Me-Nots, which was her biggest single, was at the apex of radio and popularity. And, um, and I actually, I was blessed to do the sax solo on that, on that song. And she called and she said, Gerald, you know, I'm getting ready to go on the road and um, we're going to be gone for about two or three months. I would love for you to be a part of the horn section. I'm like, absolutely. This is what I've been wanting to do from forever. But the uh, dilemma was, you know, you always have to give your job two weeks notice. And uh, so I went to Mrs. Hutchins and I said, Mrs. Hutchins. And she looked in my eyes and said, OK, here we go. You know, <laughs> I said, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, I said, I got a call and I have to pursue my music career. I'm going on the road. And I wanted to know if I could be exempt from the two week notice. And she says, absolutely, Gerald. She says, I, I knew that uh, this day would come. You've been a great employee and uh, I would never want to dilute your passion in any way. So go do it. So be it. And from that point, um, I went on the road with Patrice and she was waymaker number two. And um, I had the pleasure of touring with her for probably three or four years off and on. And uh, it was just, you know, a wonderful platform. And then my name started getting around the, the Los Angeles area about, you know, hey, Gerald Albright's out with Patrice Russian. So when I came back home, I had kind of a reputation for doing, uh, you know, uh, basically road work and then developing session work on different records. And that's that's when I started getting calls for uh, pretty consistent work as a musician. 
So, 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 Jerome, you named two people who, who were waymakers. And one of the things that young people ask me uh, on a constant basis is, how do you get a waymaker? Uh, do you choose them or are you chosen? And it seemed like in both of these cases, you were chosen. So I'm going to ask you the same question that young people ask me. How do you set yourself up? How do you prepare yourself to be chosen by a waymaker? What are the things that you do? Well, I think, and I learned this early on, uh, relationships are probably the biggest part of the pie in terms of uh, escalating in whatever your passion is. Uh, someone once said that if you hang around nine losers, more than likely you'll be number 10. If you, if you hang around nine wealthy people, more than likely you'll be the 10th wealthy person. And so I found myself uh, wanting to stay be amongst great people, you know, and, and just keep that happening on a daily basis, making new relationships, keeping things positive, uh, internally saying to myself every day, hey, I want to do something better today that I didn't do yesterday and just try to be a better person on a daily basis. And, and that's, that's basically been the story of my life. I've, I've been put in certain positions where waymakers way would, because I was there and I was ready for whatever was happen, happening at that time, um, I was able to get a gig because of my reputation that preceded me. And, and the, the way that I conducted myself around those people that I was in real time, you know, around and, and dealing and doing business with. Wow, that's, that's, that's absolutely amazing. So you, you, you get this great career. Now, the next question that people ask me also, Joel, is how has it lasted so long? Well, it, it, uh, it lasted so long. I think passion is the driving force. Um, if you're doing something that you would do for free, I think it will last because, you know, I, of course, I part, partially got into it for the money because I had to make a living. I mean, I got kids, I got a wife, blah, 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 blah. Got to do that. But the, the, the oath that I took as a musician was, and I've done many gigs for free, mind you, I have stories. But, but you know, if you, if you do it for free, uh, it's probably something that you could do for life. And I think uh, the other part of the pie is having good integrity, um, you know, having good business relationships with people. When they call you, show up on time, be prepared, um, go that extra mile that they didn't expect while you were there to make sure that they're comfortable with having called you for whatever they're vision was at the time. And I, I think that's what promotes longevity, Lewis, is uh, just being the best person you can be around people and just being, a, being in, a, in a giving mode versus a taking mode all the time. If you, if you give, you'll receive tenfold, a hundredfold. So, so Gerald, here's a question I know that you guys always hate, all right, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, you performed all over the world. You performed with some of the biggest names. Give me your top three favorite performances. I know you hate it. I hate oh. that question. Give me the top three. I don't even say the top one. Top three. Wow. wow. Top three. Um, I would have to say Whitney Houston was number one. 
God rest your soul. Um, the reason why I say Whitney is because that was the first time I had really performed for people in mega fashion. I mean, we would play for crowds for Whitney that was just a sea of people, you know. And uh, I would be on stage and Whitney on certain nights would be so on vocally that I was, I would forget that I'm a musician backing her up and I'm watching the show like the rest of the people, you know, and I'd, I'd have to regroup, you know, and it was just, I was very much in awe her, of her, you know, she was just a, a great person, uh, very personable with her staff and with her musicians. And uh, uh, when she left us, man, it was like somebody threw a brick at me, you know, uh, number two would be Phil Collins. Um, Phil took me all over the world. Um, the crowds were even bigger. Um, and as I stood on stage with Phil, the thing that kept going through my mind was, okay, there's 60,000 people out there we're looking at, and they came to see this one guy, you know, and that fascinated me. So as a musician wanted to be a recording artist in my own regard, you know, that's, that's like fuel for me. I want to do that. I want to reach that, you know. Number three, uh, I would have to say, I sat in with Earth, Wind & Fire. Uh, there's a venue called the City of Lights downtown Denver. And uh, Philip Bailey called me and said, hey, man, we're, we're in town performing. Why don't you come to the show? Bring your horn. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? Bring my horn. Yeah, bring your horn, man. And so I went to the City of Lights, got backstage, and Philip says, okay, um, on the song Reasons, I mean, Gary Bias, who we spoke of early, earlier, he normally does a sax solo, but for tonight, I want you to do the sax solo. And of course, being the biggest fan of Earth, Wind & Fire, I knew the solo like the back of my hand. So, of course, City of Lights venue was, was just full, maximum capacity, and they broke down the song. I'm reliving it so vividly right now. Uh, they broke down the song, and I came to the mic, and I played the first two notes that Donald Myrick actually played on the original recording. And uh, the crowd just went wild. And that feeling of acceptance and embrace, I will never forget. And um, I, and I was just sitting in with the band at that point. I wasn't even working, but because Earth, Wind & Fire was and is one of my favorite all-time groups, um, you know, it was just the greatest compliment for Philip to invite me to play just that little segment of the song. You know, it's all good. So that's the top three. That was a hard top three, Lewis, but, but I think we but, made but, it. But I, but I can tell you this, Gerald, they're no slouch. Uh, that's all tall cotton, as they would say. All right. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be right back with more of my interview after this quick break. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. 
the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. But for aspiring musicians that are maybe listening to this or who are trying to find their way, what would be the top three or four things you would tell them to do? Uh, as if they could sit in a room with you and say, give me some advice, Joe, on what to do. I would say, number one, um, be objective and be very honest within yourself. There are certain people who are designed, who are wired to be a musician or a vocalist. There are many who are not. Uh, And for those who aren't, you have to recognize that you may not have the talent to get to the next level. Uh, but if you do, you have to be able to recognize it. From that point, uh, I have to say number two is letting those students know that there's no show, no shortcuts in this business. You have to do the work. Uh, you have to be passionate about it. You have to be, you know, in your bedroom or your practice room or wherever you practice and really refine your craft. You know, find those mentors that really speak to you, like Maceo and Cannibal spoke to me and study them you know don't copy them but but get enough of their essence to where you can develop your own sound which in turn develops your own brand uh number three uh being in the music business you have to learn the business of music you have to learn how to read contracts you have to learn how to pick a good manager uh 
pick a good entertainment lawyer, pick a good booking agent. Um, uh, I would say, number four, learn the Internet, as you so eloquently mentioned earlier. Uh, right now, which we didn't have back in the day, the Internet is the, the, the basis for anybody who wants to be a, an independent recording artist. Uh, you know, take your career in your own hands. Uh, there's a lot of millionaires that have developed through YouTube, through Instagram, you know, just sitting at home, uh, figuring out their concepts that people will will monetize for you. And um, and then number five, I would say just be the best person you can be. Uh, treat people well, uh, treat people the way you would want to be treated in the business and outside of the business and always keep great people around you. I think that's I think that's the formula for for my being in the business so long, you know. Thank you for that. So what's next for you, Jer? Well, I have a brand new EP called G Stream to Turn It Up. Uh, I just found out yesterday we're number number two on the, the Billboard Smooth Jazz uh, radio play chart. Uh, if, if, if we make it to number one, that will be four number ones in a row between the three songs from my previous CD and this new single. So we're uh, promoting the new record. Uh, we're on the road uh, doing the new music and people have really uh, embraced the new music uh, as well as all the older stuff that I've done. And I, I'm blessed to have 22 projects out there. So um, it gets harder and harder to figure out which songs to, to play for folks if everybody has their favorite. But basically uh, to answer your question, I'm, I'm just promoting myself, my brand, uh, my new music. Uh, you know, keeping the family intact. You know, I'm a new grandpa. Uh, and, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. I have a two-year-old grandson, and then next month I'll have a granddaughter. She's coming. She's going to make her appearance. And uh, so life is good, and um, I'm content. I can't complain, man. Uh, God has been very good to me. So, Gerald, final question. You have been an artist through multiple decades and, and multiple genres. Is music harder today or easier today than it was some 40 years ago? Um, I would say it's, it's easier if you have the platform to make it easier. I made a decision in 2015 uh, to become an independent artist. After all of those years of being on a record label, I've probably been on five or six record labels in my career. Uh, having three or four managers, you know, two or three booking agents, lawyers, all that. I decided I had an epiphany one morning. I woke up and I said, I got to take my career back in my own hands. It's about legacy now. It's about ownership of your masters and things. So. I think the answer to your question is um, how deep does a person want to go to grab their career by their own hands to make it work? If you want to rely on a plethora of, of other people to speak on your behalf, you're taking a chance, you know, but if you have your finger on the pulse with every aspect of your business, I think it's easier because the only one that can fail at that point is you, you know, so you got to make it work. And again, as we said earlier, you know, you have the Internet um, and, and you have a lot of things working for you these days that we didn't have back in the day. Um, and 
I, I think it, I think it's easier these days, um, but it's all a mindset. You know, you, you just have to be ready to take on the task. And, and, uh, and, you know, if you go from A to Z through your vision, you'll make it work because you got to. Well, well Gerald, I want to thank you for uh, this opportunity and sharing your journey and giving us tips. But I also want to thank you for your successful career and really sharing and motivating us and inspiring us through your greatness and through your music over the many, many, many decades. So thank you so much and we're wishing you continued success. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.